friends. This is Cheryl from Tutoring with Cheryl. And I was a recent guest to Esme Lozano, who is a reading tutor and online tutor coach at Online Tutors Grow via Instagram. And Esme was my tutoring coach and she and I still partner up on projects. And we decided to do a mini series on her Instagram live where we've been talking about math. And this really stems from the fact that she is a reading specialist, but she supports kids in math, and I am a math specialist, and I support students in reading, and we felt like we would complement one another. And I've actually asked her to be a guest on my podcast, so at some point she is going to show up here. Um, but she asked me to bring my expertise to express my thoughts about math fact fluency and the importance of it. And, you know, I have been in the classroom. You got, if you've listened to me, you know, I was there for 32 years. Now I'm, this is, I'm coming on the end of um, my first school year of being um, uh, a private uh, math, elementary math tutor. And I know how vitally important it is to have a knowledge of math facts. But she asked me to come on and she wanted me to bring my expertise. I was like, ooh. I have expertise, but I don't have research-based field work to state why this was so important, like a, a, a doctoral degree might do, education doc doctoral degree. Um, I had the field experience, but I hadn't really taken notes and done the challenging job of putting it all together into a research thesis um, and written my paper. So this spurred a fact-finding mission, and I discovered some really important pieces of the puzzle. Now, this is... This is going to be a pretty long um, discussion today, and it might go a little bit longer than usual, but I think it deserves some attention. And I think education in general, at least in the public schools, definitely deserves a second look because we are underperforming. And um, there, I'm going to talk about the state standards, and if you are not in the Common Core, if you are not familiar with those um maybe look into those and kind of look to see what a child in, in really K through 12 has to, to learn in a school year and imagine being the teacher and having to do all of this. And I'm only going to concentrate this conversation about math and one thing in math and it's math fact fluency. But you can see how this can have a domino effect into other areas um, of a child's school day and the teacher's school day and why this is such a big issue. And it's really not necessarily even just about math facts. It's just the entire system. So take it all in. Uh, I hope that this opens up conversation between you, your friends, teachers, tutors, your learning communities, your school boards, your principals, your superintendents, because I think it's important and I think it, it deserves a little bit of our attention. Okay. So as I was searching around for information, um, about math fact fluency, I kept thinking to myself, hmm, why isn't this an emphasis in the math books that are purchased and used by most school districts? Now, there are some school districts, I'm sure, that create curriculum and they tell you ver verbatim what you need to say and they give you, you know, a timeline for, you know, how much time a day you're supposed to spend on everything. They, they might even just tell you everything and all you do is you just walk in and do it. But that is not how my school district did it. And so I'm only speaking from my own personal experience in a public school in the state of Nebraska, which I love my public school. I, I even have a sweatshirt that says I love public schools. And I'm really proud of the work that I've done. 
But this bothered me all the way through my entire teaching career. And I think you're going to see why. So I'm just going to get going and I'm going to share my thoughts. So I knew that I had only had one math book in my entire 30 plus year teaching history that really had an emphasis on math back fluency. And that was Saxon math. And some people love it and some people hate it. I happen to really like it. Um, and I had never used another tool, tool, teaching tool that had been provided by my district that had had math back practice built into the program quite like Saxon math had. I mean, it was really good, I thought. And when our school district pivoted away from Saxon math, and this is my personal opinion, I felt like I was hearing things like it was too rigorous for the lower elementary teachers and they didn't like the way that the structure of the lessons went. Um, our school district purchased a separate curriculum that we were asked to use to support those math facts, uh, math back fluency. And I honestly don't remember the name of that new program and I don't remember what book we pivoted to. That part doesn't stick out in my mind, but Saxon math did. And that's why I referred back to it. Um, but this program had math fact fluency sheets that we had to run off and had a CD that had repetitive um, songs on it and like counting and uh, songs and verses is what I would say that the students were used to remember their math facts. And I, I also remember having to create this huge number line that went around a large majority of the perimeter of my classroom and I put it up high. So the kids could see it, but we were to place dots on it to show the math facts of different groups. So if you're counting by even numbers or fives or tens or whatever, you, they could quickly spot them. And then I think we were supposed to mark the prime numbers as well. Anyway, it took me hours to put all this together and I'm really not exaggerating. exaggerating. I hung it up. I used the program, but it didn't really have the impact that Saxon Math had provided for my students. You know, maybe it was because I wasn't a huge fan of this extra program and my enthusiasm might have been a bit of, of a production rather than true love for that part of the math program. It just didn't work for my kiddos the way the structure that math Saxon, excuse me, Saxon math had done. And Saxon math had a math fact fluency program built right into it. Plus, it did a daily spiral review of concepts that were taught to the students, so they kept coming back to the math concepts that were already taught at the end um, of each lesson from the previous day, or even, you know, months earlier. And if you didn't teach a lesson, it would backfire you on as the teacher, backfire on you as the teacher, because you hadn't taught the students the information that they needed to move forward with the lessons. So as a fifth grade teacher, I loved the structure. I loved all the features of the program. And I was really sad to see it go because I taught long enough and used enough math books that I was able to recognize the value of a strong mathematical program. And unfortunately, we no longer had it in my district. That's my personal opinion. There are people that will totally disagree with me. I honor that. That's okay. Again, I'm speaking from my feelings and my personal opinions right now. So it was now left up to the teacher to pivot from a large group instructional math support to a small group instructional um, uh, structure rather than a large group instruction with small group support. So we no longer had that math fact review built into our math program. It was an add-on. And with the switch from small group to small group instruction, and now I had to do a mini lesson where it was taking me maybe 40 minutes to teach a lesson. 
and 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 now I had to do a mini lesson in like 10 minutes and then meet with four or five small groups during this hour to an hour half hour and a half of math time. I simply could no longer use the teacher-directed math facts program that the school district had provided. There just wasn't enough time in the day to fit everything in. And I know that I am preaching to the choir when I explain this because teachers all over the United States and I'm sure in other areas of the world are confronted with too much to do and too little time to do it. Yet the powers at B like to keep adding to the long list of things that teachers are supposed to fit into their very busy day. And they're even going so far as to tell you how to structure your day and telling you the specific way they want those lessons taught, whether we agree or not. So so the teacher is expected to teach an incredible amount of information during the school year. As I mentioned before, with the state standards, make sure you peek at those in the Common Core. And sometimes the teacher is forced to cut short or even cut out something that they can no longer fit in. They're being told by their administrators to teach in small groups because it's good for the kids. And if a skill is not explicitly stated in the state's math standards or the common core standards for that grade letter level, excuse me, they may not touch upon it. And some schools write their own math standards and get the state school boards to okay those standards. And if the state says that the students are to have mastered their math facts in third grade, and this isn't just for um, uh, school approved standards, I'm just talking in general. If the students are supposed to have mastered their math facts by third grade and that standard may not show up past third grade level, the teachers are expected to teach what is written on those approved standards so it might force them to skip something like math fact practice, or maybe they're providing time for their students to work on them independently. But this raises the question of, well, what happens to the student who cannot teach themselves while the teacher is doing small group instruction? I literally had this problem throughout the end of my teaching career in public schools. What I described, it literally happened to me. I'm I'm not making this up. I valued the need for my students to learn their math facts but I simply could not fit everything into our day. So I would provide time into our school day for the students to practice their math facts while I was working with four to six kids at a time. My class sizes would range anywhere from 18 to 24, 25, or even 26 kids. But when the students were not able to conceptually understand the math facts, they simply didn't make progress. You know, the intention for them is to practice, but it's like learning a new language, but not understanding it. Perhaps they will learn a few math facts, but without direct, explicit instruction, guided practice, repeated independent practices, and then applying those math facts to actual skills-based problems, those students are not going to be very successful. And how can a teacher actually monitor what the 18 kids who are doing independent practice are doing as they're teaching four to six kids in in small groups? That never made sense to me. You may be fortunate to have a paraprofessional in your classroom, but many teachers did not have that luxury, and some years I didn't. So going on to Esme Lozano's show, I really wanted to have some research to support me. Now, I got to tell you, I I was hard-pressed to really find a lot of it. So if you're like, well, why does she just keep kind of going back and only referring to one document? It's because I found one, and it was really good, and they had gone to the research And in the research, they had, I'm actually going to look here. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten resources from a variety of professionals. They also did their own, oh, I'm sorry, 
There's more on the backside, four more on the backside. I didn't get to the entire bibliography. And they even did a study and then they also um, gave their findings of that study. And I felt like it was enough of a study to share with you. And while it may not be the end all, it actually left me with more questions. But I have linked in this blog post back to this article. You can download it. You can read it. It's If you can't if you can't find it on the link that I provided you with, just copy, cut, and paste it into a Google search and it will show up. Okay. I don't want to run out of time, so I do want to, I, I do want to get into this. So I did this research on MathFact fluency in preparation for my interview with Esme Lozano from Online Tutors Grow. Again, I said from Instagram. And I found some interesting facts. And I found a study that was done by Austin T. Baker and Josh um, Suevis. Suevis? Um, I'm sorry, Josh, I'm sure I'm saying your name wrong, but they're both from the University of North Georgia, and it was entitled The Importance of Automaticity Development in Mathematics. Now, this is was printed in the Georgia Educational Researcher in 2018. So to me, that's pretty updated information because a lot of times uh, in education, we'll go back like 20, 30 years for research. So this is new. So let's dissect this article and the ideas of automaticity and mathematics as it relates to math back fluency. So the authors quoted several other researchers, and I'm going to do the same. So anytime I say the article said, said something, I'm referring back to this article. Okay. So if you're like, what is she talking about? This is what I'm talking about. Um, but this idea of fluency can sometimes be difficult to explain to a parent and maybe even to an educator, but most of us would say, oh, if your child is fluent, it means they can do something without thinking. At least that's what my idea of fluency is. But here's a direct quote from the article. The definition of automaticity provided by Stickney et al. 2012 is the ability to deliver a correct answer immediately from memory without conscious thought, as opposed to relying on calculation. And in the related research is another term called fluency. According to Lynn and Kubina, 2005, fluency requires students to be both fast and accurate when solving basic math facts. Automaticity is a piece of fluency. Fluency is the end goal and considered true mastery of the concept when reached. Now, connect these two terms to mathematics and we develop the idea that students will develop automaticity first, then fluency, and by doing this, we will develop a pattern of sustained success in the mathematics career. And that was... Um, there's some other authors there, Cumming and Elkins, 1999, Lynn and Kubina, 2005, Stickney, 2012, and Woodward, 2006. The article went on to discuss the importance of automaticity. It basically said if a student is not able to quickly and automatically retrieve their math facts, they spend time trying to come up with the answers to the smaller facts. Then they get lost in the steps of the longer algorithms, steps it takes to solve a math problem, because they're trying to think about the math facts rather than the longer math problems that they're trying to solve. And this can lead to confusion and lower understanding of the math that they're learning. Okay, that was me summarizing what I read. Okay, now back to the article, because I want to quote the aforementioned article, because this really caught my attention, and it stated, According to Woodward in 2006, decades of research showed that academically low-achieving students, as well as those with learning disabilities, exhibit considerable difficulty in developing automaticity. Research on elementary-age students indicates that students with learning disabilities are more likely to rely on counting strategies than direct re retrieval when working with single-digit fact problems. 
failing to reach automaticity results in students relying on different counting strategies. Whether it is a student with a learning disability or a student without, the results are very similar. The students begin to fall behind at the elementary level and continue this pattern into secondary level. Well, that's the end of that quote. That was a long one. But this problem isn't only in relation to addition and subtraction. It affects multiplication and division math facts. So when students don't have the understanding of mathematical concepts, then telling them to learn their math facts is not going to work. They need to conceptually understand what it means. So the research paper went on to discuss a research project where they did a study about how students were using their skills to solve math fact problems, and they discussed their findings. Now, again, if you want the full findings, I really want you to go back and read the full article. I'm just going to quote their findings paragraph, and it is as follows, quote, the findings from the study are consistent with other research provided by Burns 2014 and Stickney 2012. Students are continuing to struggle with single-digit multiplication problems, and this is not only affecting them now, it's also putting their success in the future in jeopardy. Developing automaticity is a building block for the success of students in the math classroom. Now, here's the point that just got me. Just as students cannot read with understanding without first learning the correct process for sounding out words and memorizing their sight words, math students cannot read math without learning their basic math facts. Those basic facts do not just include multiplication facts. It also includes single digit addition, subtraction, and division problems, end quote. Okay, seriously, that is just like learning to read. We need to have those math facts. And I don't think that parents... Um, sometimes teachers don't take this idea of committing them to memory very, very serious. It is vital. And they went on to discuss the reading and math relationship even further. And I'm going to again quote, the relationship between learning to read and learning math is more similar than one might think. This is called fluency. According to Pykolsky and Shard in 2005, Reading fluency refers to rapid, efficient, accurate word recognition skills that permit a reader to construct the meaning of a text. Fluency is also manifested in accurate, rapid, expressive oral reading and is applied during and makes possible silent reading comprehension. Reading fluency is, an import, is important because it bridges the gap between word recognition and comprehension. Similarly, basic multiplication facts would be analogous to word recognition. Better word recognition leads to better reading comprehension. Learning the basic multiplication facts would lead to a better understanding of more complex math concepts. Before any comprehension can take place, whether in reading or in math, Math, automaticity of sight words or math facts must be achieved to improve comprehension. So this article, oh, that's the end quote too, uh, this article led me to ponder what else it means to be fluent in math facts because my previous school district had always provided me with reading fluency benchmarks. And I actually just saw a teacher friend of mine and I said, did we ever get those? And she and I worked there the same amount of time. She said, no, but we both knew that we had all kinds of charts for what we were expected to follow. I knew the standards and and all of those intricacies, I was given that, but not the benchmarks for the math facts themselves. So we'd never, we never, I was never given those. So I did a quick Google search and I found them on a document called Required Fluencies in the Common Core State Standards for Mathematics. And since Nebraska has their own standards, I'm sure that's why I didn't get it. But I've also linked this in this blog. I teach, um, like I said, in Nebraska, we use the state standards. 
I'd never seen a chart like this, but this chart laid out K through six. And kindergarten through sixth grade, you can kind of see how it goes from simple concept, concepts to much more um, rigorous understanding of being fluent with their math facts. So in kindergarten, you're adding and subtracting within five. First grade, you're adding and subtracting within 10. Second grade, you're adding and subtracting with 20, adding and subtracting with within 100. Third grade, multiplying and dividing within 100, adding and subtracting within 1,000. Fourth grade, adding and subtracting within a million. Fifth grade, multi-digit multiplication. Sixth grade, multi-digit division, multi-digit uh, decimal operations. And when I looked at that list, I just felt overwhelmed because this is just the math fluency that they went oh, want our students to be proficient in. And that's a very small portion of all the skills students are required to master at each level as well. And, you know, how is a teacher supposed to do all of this? All the while teaching in small groups, being held accountable for the state standards, plus dealing with all the other details of their normal day. And I'm just talking, I'm just talking about the teaching, none of the behavior management and all the other things that go into it. It's an incredible feat to be sure. And I've been teaching long enough to remember a time where things were much simpler and we had a curriculum that was much more manageable. But our powers that be have moved things down to lower grades. They've increased rigor and expectations. But to what end? Has this really made a difference like it was supposed to make? And I'm going to be the first one to say it has not. Giving teachers more to do, increasing the complexity of the curriculum does not make a lot of sense when our kiddos are not cognitively ready to tackle those mathematical ideas. And we can barely find the time to make sure that our kids are mastering their math facts. I do not have a simple answer, but I know that what we are doing is not working. And I do have some things that we can ponder. So here's some questions. Okay, I'm almost done. You've been great listeners. What if we got parents to buy into the fact that they need to support the learning that is going on in school? What if the parents took the time to help their child learn their math facts? What if we re-examined what's going on in our classrooms? How is instruction taking place? And is it really best practice to teach all elementary grade levels in small groups, thus leaving students to self-teach themselves rather than getting that all-important teacher-led instruction? What if we re-examine our curriculum and state standards and consider the grade level appropriateness of what we are teaching our students? Is it really important for a fifth grader to learn the sheer number of states required standards? Isn't less sometimes more? Can't we think about teaching less but going deeper rather than teaching more and just skimming the surface? Maybe some of these changes would support the importance of automaticity with math facts, thus creating fluency with our students. And remember, I've only discussed math. I haven't been, even been talking about all the other subjects kids are learning in our schools. Well, I don't have the answers, but I hope that this is giving you and some others um, some things to ponder. And it is my hope that this blog post will lead to productive and thoughtful conversations about the importance of supporting learning for your child. Being an active participant with your, with your child's learning is vital for their success. And I hope that you see the importance of math fact fluency and how a full understanding of those facts will support your child, not only in the elementary grade levels, but beyond. 
as always, for more information about Tutoring with Cheryl and how I support my students um, as learners, be sure to visit MidwestTutor.com or go to my link tree. Thank you so much for joining me. Please like and share this if this is something that you feel others might be interested in. I appreciate your time. And as always, keep the learning going.